This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,576, recorded September 11th, 2000. All right. I read a page that I'll read first. <laughs> Unless, of course, I drop it and break it. Actual news story, quote, Scientists are being brought in to determine if the blood in the religious statue's eyes is real or a fraud. Even in the minds of sophisticated people who could certainly be expected to know better, a particular type of unnamed battle goes on between what is, from one view, patent foolishness and a continuing propensity to give the decided foolishness the benefit of some doubt. People with the best education collective man can provide in such fields as biology, archaeology, and geology will still turn out to debate proponents of religious creationism and world-renowned historians with overwhelming irrefutable evidence at hand continue to make predictions totally at odds with innumerable different prior outcomes that resulted from the same kinds of circumstances. Once you see what I point to it as clear as can be, not only out there regarding other people, but also in you concerning your own mental gem jam. There is an endless conflict going on in man's ordinary mind wherein the natural source of all logical thinking is endlessly in conflict with an irrepressible attraction to indefensible foolishness. Although never noted in such terms, this ongoing activity plays, behind the scenes you might say, a quite real part in mankind's overall intellectual history and his contemporaneous moves into the future. Look in and see it in action in yourself, and then ponder its ramifications. The opening of this, I assume you've read as much as I have, it, but it shows up quite often in the news. It just struck me, I happened to see it, and it was a fairly, although a popular, in the popular field, it was some sort of general science magazine. But there it was again. As you all know, they're constantly showing up statues that people have had been seeing in their house. And here was one that, I forget what the circumstance, but just another statue of some Catholic saint or somebody. And uh, somebody claimed, the owner, said that blood, certain times of the year, you know, Easter, who knows what, but that blood was showing up in the statue's eyes. Real blood. And the story was that she had had doctors in the village or where it was, it becomes so controversial, had become of such a hot topic, that literally they had called in to the, what it was, the University of Florence, and scientists, once they heard about it, were given the details, they were on the way. Now, of course, I just took the headline, sort of condensed it, but scientists are being brought in to determine if the blood in the statue's eyes is real or a fraud. Now, they didn't say scientists were being brought in at gunpoint. They were forced there. <laughs> it would be easy, and people have been doing it throughout history, to make fun of the foolishness of other people. For instance, in this case, all sorts of good uh, conservative 
and you would probably guess, conservative, ill-educated pheasants. All right, pheasants. Over in this little Italian village, some little, some little woman, you can just imagine her with a little shawl and 90 years old, claims that the statue of the Virgin Mary at, at Easter or whenever, that her, the blood is trickling out of her eyes and running down her face and all the people now from miles around, other farmers, pheasants, <laughs> fives, serfs. It would be easy to laugh if you weren't a Catholic, if you weren't even a conservative Catholic. But it struck me, I always, you know, looking at the news and what's going on to have something to do, that there is another way not just to look at it on the basis of something that I just made up out of the clear blue sky, but always looking and being able, first off, that it was very easy to out of hand dismiss that kind of foolishness. And I just picked out, as I said, one, the newspapers and life is full of them. But here it is, scientists, so-called scientists, guys with an actual education, going to take off time, pack up their equipment, whatever it is, and they're going to come over there, look at this plaster statue, make tests. They've decided beforehand, they're, they're going to come over and make tests, assuming that they see this red stuff, to find out, you know, is it really blood that's coming out of the statue's eyes, or is somebody trying to pull a fast one on us? How can you justify, how can you fit that into anything resembling reasonable thinking? And you know it. It is not just one or two crackpot scientists that somebody got a mail-order degree over there. Because that's why I pulled out a couple more examples. I just, the first thing that came to mind, it is continuing, I was... It was on the news just within the last day or so that I saw somewhere that there is a big forum going on somewhere. And it's on a campus, some university here in America, that uh, some biologists, they were naming who it is. Some, I'd heard their name anyway. They're known by some biologists that were coming there to debate. That had to do with a general, somebody's had proposed that we need to have more input and more of a greater discussion as to what will be taught regarding the history of man, the evolutionist theory, as they call it, versus the creationist theory, and uh, what should be an intelligent man's general position on this matter as insofar as what is taught in public schools and what is allowable. And you have scientists are going to come out and debate on a college campus, using their real names, I assume, and not wearing masks, are going to come out and debate the kind of fundamentalist religious people who wave the Bible, the Old Testament. I'm assuming it's Christians, but it could have been this could be going on in a Muslim country, and they could be doing it with the Koran. But with waving the Old Testament and saying, well, right here, God told people what he did. He put it here in detail. He didn't say anything about little creatures coming out of the ocean and growing tails and climbing trees and then trying to fly and finally turning into men. Scientists. So rather than just dismissing all of that as foolishness, which years ago, it would be anybody's first inclination that began to see anything. is just say, well, it's just, that's the nature of the ordinary mind. Well, that's the nature of man asleep. 
They're prone to fall into all sorts of lapses of good judgment. But they're not lapses of good judgment. Nothing's changed. It's the same sort of arrangement that's been historically recorded for thousands of years. And if you look at it, just the reason I brought these examples, that it has nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with the fact that someone over here is illiterate, unsophisticated, and claiming that the statue that they bought 20 years ago at a flea market for 19 cents is now crying blood. And to say, well, what can you expect from somebody like that? Well, I see you say, well, what, you expect more than scientists to say, all right, we'll come look at it and we'll run some conclusive tests. We'll prove one way or the other whether that's real blood or not. We'll, we'll be done with it. And of course, it went on with the Shroud of Turin. Well, hell, it's still going on. Somebody finally put it, you know, subjected pieces of it to uh, carbon dating. I've just taken what they said. And they said without any doubt there was no older and from the 17th century, that it couldn't be. I forget all the details, but it absolutely could not be any older than from the 17th century. Now, it didn't stop anybody. It's still touring. People are still cutting their wrists and bleeding for it. And, but at any rate, so it would be easy to dismiss one or two people here, here and there throughout history and say, well, they're just, you know, they're illiterate, they're unsophisticated. No, 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 no. As always, always look for a different way. And then it hit me that within everybody, within that little, it, you, of course, you can figure for yourself. I'm not going, didn't plan to go into this. The intensity, the one-sidedness of the struggle, I can see would vary from person to person, like from a little illiterate, unsophisticated woman in an Italian village to a man with a Ph.D. in physics. But I see that the struggle goes on in everyone, and that is a struggle between what is the source, the soul, the seat, the indigenous seat of what we call logic. And at times, I know I've made written jokes for another reason. In a sense, you, you could think that I poke fun and dismiss logic with a logical mind, but it just... What men call reason proves nothing, which it doesn't. Not vis-a-vis -vis finding out for yourself, seeing for yourself what's going on. But I do not literally dismiss whatsoever what, what is called logic. Men had to make up the name for logic. You know, there is no such thing. Logic is not laying out there under a cactus to be discovered. But if you never thought about it, what is called logic, not in the uh, academic sense of the study of symbolic logic, but what is called logic, were it not for the mind's ability to do that, then every other thing that the cortical operations of the brain does would be of no use. Memory would be no good. If men could not think in a way that we call logical, then you could not take one set of circumstances and then, without putting your hands on it, without repeating the physical circumstances or whatever it was, like someone invented the first water wheel to invent a way to run water uphill against gravity, make it do its own work. Then for somebody to be able to look at it, we would, we would not have had progress, as we call it, at least at the tempo we've had it, were it not for the mind's ability 
to think, quote, logically. That is, to look at one set of circumstances, and then without physically moving the circumstances, to, in their mind, to be able to picture how you could take this one thing that worked, and if we change it just in such and such way, if I just put a notch in a different place, if I added one more pulley to this thing, then it would do something else that would be beneficial to us, that would be life-enhancing. So I say without what is called logic, without being able, which is being able, at least to one definition, what I'm describing now, all of the memory, the ability, as it's called sometimes, for man to think abstractly would do him no good unless he had the ability to think logically, to take one set of circumstances and say, all right, these set of circumstances that we had working as primarily consist of X, Y, and Z factors. But now I'd, I can just picture if we moved to another location and took this same thing, and, but instead of the X, Y, Z factors, we had the X, Y, and then we added a B factor, then X and Y would still have such an effect that it would do so-and-so. And maybe one guy tells another one with similar experience, they go, you're right. So they could have saved several years. They could have saved longer than that. They could have saved all sorts of effort and experimentation. So I say that everyone's mind, including that little old lady that I made up, the 90-year-old illiterate, unsophisticated lady in the Italian village, if you can speak, then you have what I say is the seat, the sole source of logical thinking in your mind. You can be the most irrational, un unlettered person imaginable, and yet if you speak, if you are just walking around sane, and that you can say things, form sentences that other humans understand, then you are part of what I'm describing. That that is, in fact, I can put it that way, that, that the seed of logic in consciousness is also what is responsible, what is solely responsible, or put the other way, speech is totally dependent upon that ability. Because, we're, again, were it not for the mind being able to think, quote, logically, you could not speak coherently. So here's the way I'm looking at it, the model I'm presenting to you for a reason. Rather than dismissing individual people, the person in toto, to say, well, they are foolish. They believe that statues, that plastic statues that you can buy will shed blood, real blood. So anyone who believes that, prima facie, that person in toto, is that they're foolish. They are not, they're not reasonable people. Uh, their intellectual life should not even be taken into account. No, we're just dismiss them completely out of hand. And I say rather than that, what is really going on is inside of each person, be they sophisticated or not, be they educated or not, that in each person's mind is a struggle, a tussle between that which is the natural indigenous seat of logic. It's just there. It was there, I say, if you can look at it this way, it was there, had to be there, for you to ever become verbal. So it is there, and it is operational to some degree. But then in everyone, from the little old lady who with no education in the Italian village, to 
those with doctoral degrees coming from the University of Milan, both of them have in their minds a propensity also, not just for logic, the natural propensity for logic, but they are that is also in continuous conflict, a struggle in some way, to some degree, between what I also see, and I'll leave it to you, look, as being also a natural attraction to irrefutable foolishness. In other words, there's another one of my models, as always, that I'm dividing the mind up into two parts. One part, one aspect, and it is basic. You don't learn it. You don't pick it up. I'm saying if you, if you develop the ability to speak, then it is there. So I'm saying in all people who are, that their brain is physiologically sound, that everyone's mind has this seat of logic. So this is part of the mind. It is there. You don't look for it. It is there. You're born with it. I say that also in everyone's mind is. And it's in conflict. You've got to realize it. That there is a natural attraction to indefensible foolishness. Let me back up, point out something that I added in the paper, and now I remind you of it again. The struggle between the natural attraction to indefensible foolishness, such as a statue is crying real blood. Or real tears. Anything. Indefensible foolishness. It's a struggle between that and this natural, inherent, seat, sole source of logical thinking. Yet, that part of the brain, in charge, solely in charge, the source, the sole source of logical thinking, notice, it has some sort of natural inclination to give patent foolishness some sort of room for doubt. How else can you explain it? Other than me, if I was doing it some other way, didn't, or I didn't know any better, that I could go into some kind of rant about the power, the disruptive, illusionary power of religion and what it... Uh, the hell on earth it's created for man. That my God, it's even got scientists, people who should know better. The power of such. Well, I could be attacking the Catholic Church. I can make it more specific. And it could only happen in Italy. The damage that the Pope and that damn church has done, they've got scientists now, people who went to school, grown men with pipes and tweed jackets. And they're now going to go over there Travel by bus, by car, maybe on donkey back to get this little village to get in there with their satchels full of microscopes and all kinds of testing equipment to look at this statue so that they can determine. Now I can say, my God, are they idiots? What's happened? It is. Do you follow what I'm saying? If you stop, you think, well, this is inexplicable. Once you're aware of the fact that this doesn't happen once. This doesn't happen once every hundred years. This doesn't happen once every ten years. 
This is happening daily. Oh, and might I add, in case you hadn't figured out, I say that you don't have to look in the paper or worry about scientists going to, to literally and to scientifically determine whether plastic statues are shedding, crying real blood. You don't have to look for this struggle between abject, indefensible foolishness and cold logic with a propensity to tolerate a certain amount of this foolishness. You don't have to look in the paper or anywhere else. Look inside your own head. Ooh, I wish I hadn't said that. I initially found that so good that I don't know why I don't know to talk about it anymore or not. Because I feel like if you went off with your own, there's all kinds of things that come into play. So certainly do not get hung up upon on my examples, as you should know. It's not a battle between science and religion. That was easy. That was shooting clay elephants. That's what I, that's what that was. Fire. And they turn it loose and it's not a little clay pigeon. You know, a little thing three or four times the size of a hockey puck. It's not a clay pigeon. It's a clay rhino. And that some people would miss. I wish I hadn't said that either. I would submit that probably no one on the planet has ever thought about it on the basis that their mind, inside their mind, as they struggle between logic and foolishness with the proviso, with the observation that logic in everyone has some sort of tolerance for foolishness, has some sort of at least slight propensity to give foolishness the benefit of the doubt. A man whose reputation is made, considered to be the modern grand-grandchild of Huxley or Darwin, a man whose books are the text, the modern text on the evolution of life on this planet, majoring on homo sapien life the man will still sit there and argue or get into a pissing contest in print in some magazine, letters to the editor, a review of his book. He'll get in a verbal pissing contest with somebody. Even they say before him, well, I, I didn't go to Harvard like you, the guy says. I just barely had to go out and work in the cotton fields down in Mississippi. I had to drop out of school, but by God, we had the Bible. My mama taught me enough to read the Bible, and I know this. I know that we didn't, that life doesn't change around. God, he put it right there. It says, you read your Bible, and it says, here's how God did it. So here's the guy from Harvard, world expert, and somebody responds like that, and he agrees to go talk to him, or else, as I said, we'll get into a verbal sword fight with him, perhaps in print. And again, I, I assume you're following the reason I bring it up. I could, for a theatrical purpose, Again, just be a sarcastic, I couldn't overdo it. And say, well, who the, what, what can we say about a man who had a reputation, who's considered the world's leading expert, not only a biologist, but he, he was so interested in the proof of it, he went back in school and got a second 
degree, postgraduate degree in archaeology, maybe a third one in geology, so that he not only could look at artifacts, oh, and did a minor in chemistry and physics, so he could do carbon dating for himself, studying the strata of rocks, looking at fossils, became an expert in all these fields, and has written what is considered to be the definitive text, probably for the next decade at least, on the absolute irrefutable proof of evolution, of life on this planet. And then some guy, self-admitted, no education, only believes the Bible, spits in his direction, and now he goes wild. And I could make him look like an idiot, you know, for sarcastic theatrical reasons. I'd go, what happened to somebody like that? How did he get by all these years? And they let him keep going back to Harvard and Princeton and get four or five degrees. Look, all you look at is someone's apparent opponent, who they consider to be their enemy, intellectually. We're speaking, of course, as always, not non-physically. But whoever you consider to be your enemy intellectually, they're also your peer. Or put more specifically, you are their peer. That once this fictitious Harvard professor or this Harvard graduate with three degrees or four degrees, the world's leading expert in the evolution of human life or of life on this planet, once he has become affronted, if there is such a word, once he considers that he's been dissed by this illiterate jack-leg preacher who only believes the Bible, I could point out, and this is valid, it's hard to believe. It defies logic. But the fact is, it simply now proves that his intellectual level, his degree of smarts, is no better than the, the illiterate man who only believes what's in the Bible. I point this out a dozen times throughout my life. What to you people? I assume that you get it. It's not just being funny or it's not just trying to be clever. I guess I should maybe some night talk on it or write on it. But that's the whole thing about being insulted. But that's at the core of it. If you can be insulted, look at what insulted you. I mean, no matter what you say, well, the, the insult was unjust. I mean, in fact, I got insulted. This guy doesn't have the intellectual wherewithal to criticize me. Oh, yes, he does if you're mad. <laughs> I'll put it another way. I still put it the best way. His view would be, well, he doesn't have the right to because he doesn't have the intellectual wherewithal to criticize me. The real truth is, quote, better put in words would be if I suddenly jumped in and went, no, no, no. Your intellectual wherewithal has proven to be, just by what you said, has proven to be no better than his. That's an irrefutable fact. Well, except, of course, to ordinary minds, and they'll refute it. He'll take your breath away. It'll happen so fast that you won't even be able to say or refute. You might get out re, and that's just gone. Back to the what I said. That, even though I understood the validity of it years ago, I mean, there's no doubt. It's just one of those things. You see it, and you know it's true. Not just other people. Well, of course, along for a while, I hoped it was just with other people. But then I had to face up to the fact that somebody can walk up to me. You know, and say, do you realize you're nothing but a blah, blah, blah? And one of your body orifices get tight, or maybe two of them. 
Do I have to say any more? You can deny, you can argue the word that they called you or whatever the attack was the rest of your life. But my God, it's been tattooed on your forehead and you just don't see it. At any rate, after realizing it was true, and then finally getting around as always, usually I do too, well, what more could I get out of it? What's another way to look at it? Yeah, I know all that, but what else? And I don't know what it was that bothered me, if anything, but as I said, I'm always looking for something, another way of looking at something I understand. It's always nice for something that you know you understand that you can make yourself. Not that you didn't understand it, but on that basis, you can make yourself go, well, I didn't understand that. Uh-oh, well, you got to do that for yourself. At any rate, rather than looking at an individual, a person here or there, and dismissing them as being illogical, being the victim of foolishness, <coughs> there were too many exceptions. I'm making this up now. I didn't sit around and figure that something was wrong. I knew that my original view of it was absolutely valid. But at any rate, then it struck me that a better, a more expansive explanation, a more expansive picture of it. And then I, in a sense, just simply looked at my own mind and realized, well, it is true. No matter how logical a person can be, no matter how reasonable a person can be, that part of their brain, that part of their mind that is so reasonable, that is just exemplary of of a logical person, of a logical mind, still has a tolerance for foolishness. And as I said, you can you can forget about get way past religion and all that kind of stuff. Think about some of the other kinds of foolishness, which is what I was wanting to leave to you people, but to give you some hint, maybe to get you going if you don't see. Why a hint? Why not the big enchilada? You might think, that someone, a reasonable, an otherwise reasonable person, that you might think for them to even consider the fact that a plaster statue could bleed, that has got to be the epitome of a toleration by a logical person. That that has got to be the epitome of foolishness. To that I say nay. I know a better one. I know a more egregious one. Even though... My word program says there is no such word. I still like that. That that little box flashes an error. Now, punch on that F7. I guess everybody's been through it. Nobody told me, though. You know, incorrect, and it shows up. Incorrect, no suggestions. And the first time, maybe the first or two, a couple of times, it annoyed me, and I thought, no, this is a, this is a lesson. I don't know why I keep reading that people are trying to develop artificial intelligence. There it is. There it is. That's a damn program. Just the damn came with a machine. Not some kind of avant-garde experimental work from Sperry Rand or whoever's the AI lab at MIT. I say there it is. That suddenly a notice flashes and says you're mistaken. And you go, okay, how so? And it goes, I don't know, you're just mistaken. No, no suggestion. I mean, why, they, why they can't, how much further can they go? Claiming we're close to artificial intelligence. And in fact, I, 
I'm hard-pressed to call that artificial. That's, I guess that's what made me mad. And I thought, shut the hell up. Don't pull that shit on me. That's what I'd do to somebody. So, I was going to tell you, what would be more foolish than believing a statue can try? Or people that believe that they're visited by the dead. Or people who believe or claim that little green men lay in their backyard every night. All that you could say, well, that, that, is, that is foolishness. I know, to me, a greater example. And no one ever notices it. It has no critics. Everybody is subject to it. Everybody indulges in it. Well, everybody is subject to it. Indulges in it, figuratively speaking. But everyone's subject to it. And not one human has ever pointed this out in this way. Never been noted. What is the ultimate toleration of foolishness? Now remember, we're not talking about an individual. I'm saying by six billion people, considering all six billion for the moment, to be sane and by, if they all looked at each other, they would all collectively say, oh, to the person next to them, yeah, you're all right. So consider all six billion sane, reasonable, educated, anyway, ordinary, acceptable people. Then each of those six billion people, part of their mind is nothing but logic. It's nothing but logical, or they could not talk. There's one part of it, and don't worry about percentage, but there's one part in every human who can at least talk. Because talking comes from that logical part. So it is there. And then to bring up something like statues can cry real blood, or you can cut them and they'll bleed real blood. You could say, well, whoever believes that, and you could start thinking we're going to select individuals out of the six billion and say, well, whoever believes that, they do not belong in your classification of six billion ordinary sane people. Now, I say all six billion are subject to this. That part of their brain, part of their mind, absolutely knows better. Part of their mind and everyone absolutely rejects as soon as it hears about it. Uh, of course, they got to have the experience. They know what plaster is. They know what statues are. So you got to have that experience. And then the day comes that somebody says, I saw a statue that bleeds if you cut it. And so that you've got enough. You know what blood is. You know what a statue is. You know what a plaster statue is. That part of your mind, in any human, at that moment, everyone's mind has part of it that as soon as it hears that, says, well, that's foolishness. In other words, it's not true. It's just foolishness. And yet notice what a wide tolerance there is for such foolishness as witnessed by religion. They use the target again. But as I said, there is a more, not everybody on the planet claims to be religious, which doesn't exempt them from this. So I was going to say, though for a minute, trying to lead your own, that there's some people who are not religious. There are plenty of people who don't believe in flying saucers. There are people who don't believe that you can talk to the dead. But I say that there's one bout of foolishness that everybody puts up with, that everyone is subject to and everyone tolerates and everyone is subject to, and no one notes it. That is, that one part of the brain knows it's foolishness. One part of your mind knows that it is illogical. It simply can't be, based upon everything that that part of the mind knows. And as I'm telling you, that part of the mind cannot be discounted because were it not for that part of the mind, you could not talk. We would not be human. 
There would be no consciousness. Because by anybody's definition, what is called consciousness or the mind is logical. Because when it's not at all is when other people immediately realize something's wrong. You're sick. You got brain damage. You got some kind of problem. Because it is obvious to anybody, whether they be educated or not, when consciousness, when a man's mind stops being logical. But there is one, one aspect, one thing in which everyone on this planet, the logical part of their brain absolutely tolerates and does not even bring it up, does not even make note of an absolute, obvious, easily observable piece of foolishness that everybody tolerates. Well, are you going to tell us? All right. <laughs> you believing that you are what your thoughts say you are. Because you've got to be able to see it for yourself. But I'm telling you, as foolish as it is to imagine that there are people somewhere right now on their way or standing around in this little shack, this little humble abode out in the hills of Tuscany. I thought it was near Milan. Don't start that shit with me. And these people are standing around waiting. People with suits and ties, good haircuts, looking at this little plastic plaster statue waiting for it to cry blood. And you can go, how foolish. Tut, tut. When do you wake up in the morning, first thing? I say it pales in comparison. But then once I have formulated and put my reputation on the line with this model, challenging you as always to look for yourself right inside your own head. And you don't have to go for the big enchilada. Look at, I didn't go into other things. You individually, everybody, and you know it from being friends with people. If you talk to somebody that you think you knew well enough, a brother or sister even, you get up in years after you're both well into adulthood, but you can start and talk to somebody you thought you'd known for years, maybe under certain conditions, maybe get a couple of glasses of wine in them. Anyway, and something will come out that they do believe that they've been visited by flying saucers. And you're just astounded that how could somebody I know, how dare you be astounded? Don't you realize you're, you're being astounded at the wrong person? But if you're trying to get to the bottom of things, I'm just saying that everybody, to some degree, I guess, it's not important, but uh, well, it is. it is. It could be important. What I'm saying is you don't have to be subject to some sort of real, obvious hallucination. Some real foolish belief like statues can cry or that flying saucers visit me in my backyard. You don't have to believe that. Everybody has little minor foolishnesses. Little things you do for good luck. Uh, habits you have. Uh, maybe a subject that only comes up once every eight or ten years. You'll be in conversation, this one thing will come up. And you'll say something, or at least you'll think it, and realize, maybe, maybe well, maybe through experience, you have expressed some view you have on the subject, perhaps years ago, just infrequently, and it creates such a turmoil that people look at you so funny that you now have decided, well, everyone else considers that foolishness. But if you look in your own mind, you do not take it as foolishness. And I would 
I'm fairly sure every one of you have got something like that, one or two somethings. It's just a matter of whether you can easily face what it is, be able to pull it up and impartially face what it is. Not that whatever it is is of any objective importance, you understand, except there's something that you think is true or is possible. There is something that to you is fairly serious that you have learned through experience that everyone else that you know considers it to be foolish, to say the least, and therefore you quit talking about it. You just, I mean, it doesn't do any good, and yet you realizing that everyone you know that you've ever talked to, your friends, your compatriots, people that you respect, your family, they think it is just plain foolishness, and so you quit mentioning it. But if you'll notice, you didn't abandon it. The thought didn't leave you. You just quit talking about it, and it's still there. And the logical part of your mind is already discovered easily that no one else in the world apparently believes this or no one that you know personally. Your logical part of the mind fairly quickly decided this is doing me no good to keep talking about it. It's not benefiting me. So it is still there. It has a view that, well, I, I realize that everyone I know that I consider to be reasonable and intelligent, they consider this idea foolish. And so that part of the brain, that part of the mind, is logical and reasonable enough to quit talking about it. Like, well, I quit talking about it because it's not getting me anywhere. In fact, it could do me harm. People look at me really funny. So you understand you're being, at the same time, foolish and logical. Absolutely. Contemporaneously. That there it is, this foolish idea, or this idea that everyone you've ever mentioned it to said that is foolishness. That is, that's laughable. So there you can have that thought. Maybe you're staying around some people and that subject comes up and that part of your mind has your idea, which you think is superior to all these other ideas, and simultaneously the logical part of your mind, which is the one who decided what I'm saying. We decide, well, we're not going to say anything. So there it is, contemporaneous. That one part of your mind realizes it's considered foolish, and yet there it is, and that logical part hasn't even tried to do away with it. It hadn't tried to root it out, which is a whole other story. You might like consider, could it? Does it ever try to? So even at any ordinary level, I would point to you, we are all bastions of cold logic and reason, and simultaneous, we're fruitcakes. And you know you are. Well, not, not totally, but you know damn well. You just hide it good now, or at least from me. But you know damn well you have got at least one or two real crackpot ideas that you don't really consider crackpot. Hey, they're crackpot. <laughs> Trust me. That doesn't matter. Unless the results, unless the matter involved has to do with life enhancement, even your logical ideas are crackpot. That is, they're meaningless. Which is why... If it doesn't have anything to directly do with survival, that is why crackpot foolish ideas can simultaneously and peacefully coexist inside your mind with other, with that part of the mind that just sees it as being ridiculous and foolish. There's your Old Testament or whoever the hell it was, the lamb laying down with the lion someday. There it is. A man with a bladder bag laying down next to Einstein. Sufi sails laying down in bed holding hands with Max Planck. 
Or worse than that, you go to bed at night, we all do. Even those of us who live alone. It takes some nerve to hear all these country songs guys talking about waking up with ugly women and girls all... Nah. I say wake up, put a mirror by your bed and wake up. Don't look at the physical reflection. Look at the real reflection and wake up and realize, I slept with that person again last night. I don't know why I added that. I guess a good laugh and say, well, that's enough. I always leave them laughing. That's what Heisenberg used to say. I, I can hear them laughing. I just don't know where they are. Right at this moment. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.